conduct a study, a study comparing people who are in bad relationships with people who spend an inordinate amount of time and money on their eyebrows. I think there's a connection. I think there's a connection between bad relationships and people who spend too much time on their eyebrows. That doesn't have anything to do with anything. It's just a random thought I had based on something I was just watching on TV. But in any case, welcome to the Comparison Group Podcast. Listen on the Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Pandora, anywhere you get podcasts. Listen, share, rate, rate the show. Give me that five-star rating. Help me out. You know you want to. Come on. Let's go. Let's get right down to business. No fooling around. Today is June 18th, 2022. Oh, June 18th. I gotta remember to do something today. But first, before I can go do what I gotta do, we are going to discuss the frustrating amount of intellectual dishonesty in this country right now. And I'm going to try and focus it on how it pertains to the current hot topics. Inflation, January 6th, things like that, because you can focus it on just about anything. There's intellectual dishonesty going on in every, every topic you could dare to discuss on this podcast, be it COVID, be it Ron DeSantis. Hey, what's with Ron DeSantis down there in Florida? He's an interesting guy. He is pretty much deciding that anyone, any organization Any group, any business who disagrees with him politically, he's going to blackmail them by withholding funds. He's done it with a baseball team. He's done it with the Special Olympics. And of course, he's done it with Disney. Very interesting. I mean, what's Disney supposed to do? I mean, it's called the Magic Kingdom, for goodness sake. It sounds like a gay bar. Of course, they're going to come out and support gay rights. Uh, I'm getting distracted. Before I start, let me say this. I have said many times, I know I'm doing this podcast the hard way. I know telling people what is, in my opinion, just my opinion, what we all need to hear as opposed to what we all want to hear. That's not the easiest way or the most popular way to have a conversation. I recognize that. And I apologize. I just don't know how else I'm supposed to talk about difficult topics like guns or abortion or the economy or racism or politics in general without occasionally telling someone something they really don't want to hear, something that they're going to disagree with. I don't know how to hold those conversations without sometimes maybe even offending 
someone. I don't know how to have a conversation on complex topics without thinking critically about what I'm going to say first. And I don't know how to think critically about what I'm going to say without examining it from all sides, from different angles, from all viewpoints. I need to take in as much information as I can so I can give you as much information as I can. And then you can make up your own mind on what you agree with and what you disagree with. Doesn't have to be in agreement with what I'm saying. Just take in the information. That's all. It's important to take in as much information as we can. That's just the way I see it. Now, some people may say, you know what? My mind is made up. I don't need to take in any new information to help me form an opinion on racism or abortion or Republicans or Democrats. And I get that. And I respect that. I really do. I honestly do. I have come to the realization I have to do a better job for you on this podcast. I have to present the differing angles and viewpoints. In the beginning, I thought I would tell you, hey, it's important to go out there and get as much information as you can. Go out there and get as much information as you can. But hey, I'm here. I got this microphone. Why don't I give you as much information as I can give you? So that's what I'm going to try and do going forward on this show. I'm going to try and give you as much information as I can from all angles, from all sides. Just realize that it's coming and you may not agree with some of it because people have busy lives. That's what I figured out. People have busy lives and it's an investment of time. It's an investment of time to listen to this podcast. So it's an investment in time to go listen to any other podcast, to watch any other TV show or consume any other type of media. So why would you invest your limited amount of time if you know it's something that you're totally going to disagree with. I get that. I understand that. Again, I think it's important, but I get it. I also get the reality that media presents very limited, differing viewpoints. If you go to Apple Podcast and you take a look at what their top podcasts are for news or for politics, it's exactly what you would expect to find. All of the shows are either from a left-leaning perspective or a right-leaning perspective. So even if you wanted to try and say, well, let me go listen and let me try and find information on both sides, what you end up finding is one extreme or the other. And then you have to sort through with confusion which one's telling the truth, which one is the most accurate, because hardly any are totally accurate. So which one's the most accurate? It's frustrating. So I'm going to continue to try and be the guy who makes it less frustrating to get the information. Now, you might have to listen to a couple of shows. There might be one show where you disagree with 80% of the information. There may be another show where you agree with 80% of the information. There may be one show where it's 50-50. You know, you take some, you leave, you leave uh, the rest. But that's fine because it's important. It's like being on a jury. You may be on a jury and you may have your mind made up. You may say, I know this guy's guilty. I know this guy's guilty of murder because all the evidence that's available points to the fact that the guy is guilty. But you got to listen to both sides. You got to listen to the prosecution and then you got to listen to the defense. And the defense may present a couple of interesting facts, some tidbits of information that make you kind of wonder or second guess yourself, maybe. But overall, you're still thoroughly convinced the guy is guilty. Well, we know there have been people who have been sent to death row because of things like that. So it is important to listen to both sides. It is important 
to critically think about even those few tidbits of information that make you scratch your head. If it makes you scratch your head, don't dismiss it. Think about it. That's what I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you a couple of head scratchers. That's all. Don't just dismiss it because it goes against what your preconceived notion or opinion was. Just think about it. That's all I asked. Think about it. Comment to me on Instagram. Comment to me on Twitter at comparison underscore show. Tell me what you think. Now, I did a couple of shows in reference to unions, to Amazon and Starbucks, the union push at Amazon and Starbucks. I did an entire show entitled A Discussion Broke Out on Twitter in reference to unions. And in the show, I asked people who I had the discussion with on Twitter to listen to the show, comment, tell me what they thought. I've direct messaged people on Twitter in reference to the Starbucks union, particularly with questions such as, is there anything Starbucks could have done differently to present this, to prevent this current union push? I just recently asked a question to someone who on Twitter says they are a Starbucks union activist. What is the next step? I'm seeing that a lot of these Starbucks locations are voting to unionize. So now what is the next step? I was curious. Do they just all of a sudden have a union? Do they now have to vote on a contract? Do they now have to negotiate a contract? What's the next step? I asked out of curiosity. I tweeted to the Starbucks United Twitter handle. That's the union behind the big push at Starbucks. Do you see any downside to unionizing at Starbucks? I got no responses. No responses from anyone. No responses from the show I did. No responses from anyone on Twitter. How do you expect to have a conversation? How do you expect to make me understand your point of view if you don't talk, if you don't answer? I know they see the tweets. Trust me, I know they do. Some of these people, it's the only tweet they get. It's the only reply to a tweet they put out that they get. So I know they see it. Trust me, anybody on Twitter, if someone direct messages you direct, direct messages you or replies to you, you see it, but they don't bother to answer. Now, I have no choice but to believe the reason they're not answering my questions or engaging in conversation is because they're stumped. And they're stumped because they're only listening to people who are intellectually dishonest, intellectually dishonest. For example, a listener sent me an article a few weeks ago. I just haven't had a chance to talk about it here on the show. Sent me an article in reference to a union vote in New York at Amazon. It was another location in Amazon. You know, they had the one union vote that was successful in New York. And then they had another union vote at another Amazon facility in New York that was not successful. And what the people said who voted against the union at Amazon was they didn't believe what the union reps were telling them. They didn't believe that they were going to be able to get them $30 an hour. $30 an hour to put a curling iron in a box? I wouldn't have believed it either. That's intellectually dishonest to tell people who are making $15 an hour, $18 an hour, if we unionize, we can get you 30 They didn't believe it. This is what the, the Amazon workers are saying. This is not what I'm saying. They were told by the union, we can get you $30 an hour. They also said, the workers who decided not to unionize, they didn't plan on staying there. They planned on it being a stepping stone to the next job. They were only going to be there temporarily. 
and they were told by the advocates of the union, oh, that's no problem. That's okay. Take the benefits while you're here. Well, that's exactly what these companies don't want. That's exactly what these companies are afraid of. You ask any business, that's what they hate. People who take all the benefits, take the increased pay, demand the better working conditions, and then leave after three months, after six months. So again, it's intellectually dishonest to say we want to unionize because we deserve all of these things, even though at the same time you're saying, yeah, but we know where some of these people aren't going to be here. Some of these people have no intention of being here a year from now. That's not me being pro-business. That's not me being anti-labor. That's me pointing out a problem. And sometimes when I point out a problem, it very well may behoove some people to listen. Some people, like Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen, who said she didn't see this inflation coming. She was wrong. She admitted, I was wrong. I missed it. Well, if you'll indulge me, I'd like to play a clip from an episode of this podcast I did about eight months ago. Did you hear what I said? About eight months ago. The episode was entitled, The Pros and Cons of the Current Labor Shortage. If you want to check it out, The Pros and Cons of the Current Labor Shortage. Did it eight months ago. It's been up there amongst my library of shows for anyone who wanted to listen to it. Here's the clip. What I've been telling you for months, for months, people are not going to go back to that job chopping onions if you're paying them more to stay home. You can't just pump trillions of dollars into this economy and not expect there to be inflation. Oh, don't worry. Inflation is going to be temporary. No, it's not. Not if you keep pumping the money into the economy with more money, the inflation won't be temporary. And I've told you, when you do all this, you have unintended consequences. Bernie and the Democrats don't consider the unintended consequences. Businesses are desperate for workers. That means wages go up. That's great. The unintended consequence of inflation cancels out the wage growth. The inflation is greater than the wage growth. The inflation comes from the trillions of dollars being pumped into the economy. The inflation comes from the supply chain disruptions because we don't have truck drivers and dock workers or people to manufacture the products, and so you have a supply and demand issue. Bernie, you are dumb, but are you telling me there's nobody around you that can explain this to you? Eight months ago. Eight months ago I said that. Now don't get mad. Don't get mad and turn off the show. You know why? Because everyone is saying it now. Everyone on the left, from cable news to radio to politicians, is saying it now. The benefits were too generous. The stimulus was too much. Now, you want to hear something really crazy? Back in that episode, I played a clip of something I said from five months prior to that. You get that? I'm playing you a clip in this episode of something I said eight months ago that proved to be correct, that everyone is saying now. I played a clip from five months prior to that, where I was screaming about how Bernie was wrong, how he was wrong when he was saying, if you just pay people a living wage, they'll go back to work. And I said, they're offering people $1,000 bonuses and they're not going back to work. And to be clear, 
I said, it's not the people. It's not their fault. Who wouldn't take the benefits? I certainly would. So I wasn't blaming the people for not going back to work, to that job chopping onions, mopping floors, making beds. Who would? If you're paying me more to stay home, why would I go back to work? So I was very clear. It wasn't the people that were wrong. It was the policy that was wrong. I talked about how Chris Cuomo came on his show and berated people. Oh, if you're saying bad things about people who are sitting home, you're calling them lazy. No, I'm not. Or I did, but I felt bad about it. But I did say some people are lazy, but, you know, you can't get around that. Come on. We all know they're lazy people. But no, for the most part, there were people who had to make tough choices. There were two million women who left the workforce during COVID. Only a million came back. Only a million came back. Some had to make tough choices. Do I send my kids back to school when there's no vaccine at this time for the kids? Take a risk. I have no one to watch the kids. I can't afford childcare. There were some people who stayed home who had to make tough choices who maybe didn't want to stay home. If I didn't acknowledge that then, I acknowledge it now. But the fact of the matter was the policy was wrong. Don't get mad at me for pointing it out. If you were mad at me eight months ago, 13 months ago, don't be mad at me now because you know who else is acknowledging it now? Janet Yellen, the Secretary of Treasury. Janet Yellen is acknowledging it now along with everyone else. Here she is. Certainly, as the president says, inflation is the number one domestic economic problem facing the United States right now. But it wasn't just the president who got it wrong a year or so ago. I want to play for you what you said about inflation last year. Listen to this. Is there a risk of inflation? Um, I, I think there's a small risk and I think it's manageable. I don't anticipate that inflation is going to be a problem, but it is something that we're watching very carefully. Was it a mistake, Madam Secretary, to downplay this inflation risk? Did that contribute to the problems we're all seeing right now? Well, um, look, I, I think I was wrong then about um, the path that inflation um, would take. As I mentioned, there have been unanticipated and large shocks to the economy that have boosted uh, energy and food prices and um, supply bottlenecks that have affected our economy badly that I didn't, at the time didn't fully understand. She should have just listened to this show. Now, you've heard me say that a few times, and I do say it jokingly, partly, but at the same time, I mean it. How could she not know? How could she not anticipate? She should have just listened to this show. And you may think I'm being arrogant by saying that because, trust me, I recognize I in no way understand the U.S. economy the way Janet Yellen does. And I understand she has an incredibly difficult job with a lot of variables that have to be balanced. It's almost impossible to do. I recognize that. I mean, I don't even know if it's economics or economics. Which way do you pronounce it? I don't know. But what I do know is that if you pump trillions of dollars into an economy and you give people money that are not working, they will spend that money and create demand for a supply you don't have because the people aren't working to replenish the supply. That I know. That I understand. That I don't need to go to school for. It's common sense. 
And you can't call it a lucky guess on my part, because if that was a lucky guess, it was a pretty spot-on lucky guess eight months ago. You can't take people out of the workforce while at the same time giving them money to spend, leaving the demand, but taking away the supply. If you do that, you create inflation. Not to mention how slow the Fed moved on interest rates, allowing people to refinance their homes and have money to spend that way. Because if you think, well, come on, the money, all those benefits, all that stimulus, it's gone. It dried up. It stopped. No, no. Because of refinancing of homes, because of the additional child care credit, which continued into 2022. It surprised me how, how many people didn't recognize that. The additional child care credit was not just a monthly payment in 2021. It was also a lump sum payment in people's tax returns in 2022. Some people may not have even have gotten that tax return yet, but if they have, they probably got it somewhere around March, April, May. It's June. They're still spending that money. The demand is still there. That's why the gas prices are so high. Why can people afford $5 to put in their gas tank? $5 a gallon. Why is there still so much demand for gas? Why is there still so much demand for products and services if so many people have quit their jobs? It's common sense. When you quit your job or you get fired or you're out of work, you're supposed to be broke and not create creating demand. But if you have money and you are creating demand, where else is the money coming from but the federal government? So, yes, it was too much stimulus. It was too slow reaction from the Fed and raising interest rates. Everyone's acknowledging it now. Don't get mad at me. And in fairness and looking at it from all angles, of course COVID played a role. Omicron played a role. Of course Putin's invasion played a role. But it would be just as ridiculous for me to sit here and say the main driving factor or the only factor was the stimulus from the government and the slow reaction from the Fed for Joe Biden to keep calling it Putin's price increase or for Janet Yellen to say, well, the reason this happened is because we didn't anticipate the variants, Omicron. We didn't anticipate Putin invading Ukraine. Well, I certainly anticipated the, the variants because Fauci kept telling us we're going to have variants. I mean, the CDC kept saying it. It was a big concern. Variants. If everyone doesn't get the vaccine, if we don't knock this thing out, we're going to have variants. I mean, what am I missing? Wasn't that what everyone was saying? Wasn't that why everyone was yelling, go get the vaccine, go get the vaccine, or else we're not going to get rid of COVID? So everyone acknowledged it then. Everyone knew it then. So why is Janet Yellen saying, I didn't anticipate variants? I didn't anticipate COVID lingering for as long as it has. Why didn't Biden anticipate when Putin was building up troops on Ukraine's border for a year, he might invade? Whatever happened to planning for the worst case scenario? I kid you not. I told my wife a year ago, we have to start to watch our spending. Things are going to get bad in the economy. I said it a year ago. Now, again, I'm no genius. I don't know more about the economy than the experts who look at all the different economic indicators. But I can put my thumb in the air and tell which way the wind's blowing. If I get on an elevator in an apartment building in New York City, I know it's going to smell like pee. 
it would be intellectually dishonest of me to think otherwise. So it would be intellectually dishonest for anyone to act like any of this is a surprise. Any of what's going on in the economy right now is a surprise. Inflation is going to be temporary. We expect it'll be temporary. No, it's not. This little bit of inflation is actually a good thing because it shows there's a lot of demand. It shows that people are eager to spend. No, it's not. Inflation is never a good thing. Not this much inflation. The fact that there's a labor shortage is a good thing because it shows that workers are finally flexing their muscles. No, it's not. Not when the labor shortage is created by too much government stimulus. That's not a good thing. If the labor shortage is created because of a demand for better, higher skilled workers at higher pay because of a demand in the economy and it's balanced and equal, then it's a good thing. But when the demand for workers and the workers flexing their muscles, quote unquote, flexing their muscles is because they have a choice to not work because the government has given them the choice. That's not a good thing. To say otherwise is being intellectually dishonest. You know better. The other angle, the other angle in fairness, we don't know what we don't know. Had the government not overdone it, not been overly generous, we don't know what that would look like either. Maybe we would have been pushed into a recession, a deep recession. I don't think a depression People say, ah, we could have gone into a depression. I don't think so. I just think the economy is too resilient for that. But sure, maybe we would have been pushed into a recession if the government hadn't done too much. Maybe the thought was we'd rather do too much than do too little. Maybe the thought was back to 2009 when it was said that the Obama stimulus was too little. I recognize that. Just be honest about it. That's all. Just be fair and honest. If you want to say, well, hey, the only way we can know for sure is to travel back in time and not do it and then see what happens. Well, of course, if you want me to say that, I'll say it. But you also have to recognize that for other issues, too, like covid. The only way we can know for sure if it was necessary to shut down all of those businesses, all of those restaurants, all of those gyms, all of those beauty salons is to travel back in time and not do it and then see what happens. Because if we look at things now, it would appear maybe that was not necessary. Maybe the people screaming about that were not wrong. It's okay to acknowledge when you have new information and maybe I was wrong. I was all for shutting down those businesses. But now I look back and say, "Ah, maybe we did go a little too far. Maybe the restaurants could have stayed open at 50% capacity. Maybe the gyms could have stayed open at 50% capacity. Maybe we didn't have to put stickers on the floor saying, when you walk up this aisle, walk this way. When you walk up this other aisle, walk the other way. Maybe we went too far. That's all. It's all about getting new information and being intellectually honest with yourself, reevaluating, forming new opinions. If you haven't formed a new opinion about a Trump supporter in the last week, <laughs> After watching the January 6th commission committee, something's wrong. But if you also haven't formed a new opinion about a Trump supporter in the last five years, something is wrong. Because initially it was thought, well, it's all about racism. They're just racist. They're racist and they're silly if they're Trump supporters. Well, now we know, no, there was a lot more to it than that. How can you not form a new opinion when you're presented with more information? 
But what makes it so hard to form the new opinion is, again, taking information in from people who are intellectually dishonest, and they convince us, and they make us take strong opinions. Strong opinions. Getting fights with people on social media on these opinions. And so then it's hard to change it. Even when you're prevented, presented with new, compelling information, it's hard to change it. It ain't hard for me. I, go back and listen. I did shows where I ripped apart people who wouldn't get the vaccine. Ripped apart people who fought against masks and against shutting down parts of the economy. I went in hard on those people. I don't have any problem now with saying, eh, maybe, yeah, maybe all of that wasn't necessary. Doesn't bother me. What are people going to say? Ha, I told you so. What are you, 12? Grow up. I don't feel stupid if someone says, ha, ha, I told you so, you were wrong. I feel stupid if I never admit I was wrong. Kind of like this. Listen to this clip. You know, today, though, I, I want to address another challenge that families are facing. And the one I think they're most focused on right now. High gas prices. This is a problem. Not just here in the United States, but around the world. The price of gasoline has reached record levels recently in Europe and in Asia. In France, at the end of the last month, it reached about $7 per gallon. In Japan, it's about $5.50 per gallon, the highest it's been in years. Of course, it's always painful when gas prices, gas prices spike. Today, the price of gas in America, on average, is $3.40 a gallon. In California, it's much higher. <laughs> How much did he say? Oh, you thought that clip was recent? No, that clip's from November of last year. Those were, were remarks Biden was making about high gas prices. Serious remarks. Taking the time to make serious remarks about high gas prices at three something a gallon back in November before Putin invaded Ukraine. And so to say... Yeah, this is Putin's fault. The high gas prices are Putin's fault. It's intellectually dishonest. The same way if I said it was all Putin's fault, or excuse me, all the fault of stimulus or the government or the Biden administration would be intellectually dishonest. I'm not going to do it. Can't do it. I got to tell you, it's everything. It's everything. All of it has played a role, has been a factor. We need the people in authority to stop thinking politically and be honest with us, be direct and honest with us so we can make good decisions on our part. As I said, there are still people out there spending, still people out there spending because people in authority, people in the media, people in government are not being honest. Biden says, ah, a recession is not inevitable. Well, sure, you can say that. A lot of things aren't inevitable. But again, Whatever happened to planning for the worst and hoping for the best? I don't have to know something is inevitable to guard against it. If I eat a bunch of Mexican food, I can anticipate a visit to the bathroom. It would be a mistake for me to eat a bunch of Mexican food and then drink a couple cups of coffee and then go on a two hour ride. That would be a mistake. No matter how much confidence you may have in yourself to hold it in, you got to be smart. You got to be smart and you got to be honest with yourself and you got to expect other people to be honest with you. Think about it. Would you allow Bernie Sanders or Alexandria let Supreme Court judges protect themselves? Ocasio-Cortez manage your money. Would you let those two take your money, all your money and say, here, go make me rich? No, because they take a million dollars of your money 
and a year later give you back 200000 and tell you you didn't need all that money. I wouldn't let those two manage my money any more than I would let O.J. Simpson date my mother. But I wouldn't let Donald Trump do it either. The more I watched the January 6th committee, the more I recognized that Donald Trump is an arch villain. As I've said, the guy is an arch villain. The guy ran a fake charity. He and his kids ran a fake charity, for goodness sake. So see it from all angles. Once you see it from all angles, you can get your messaging together. Democrats, for instance, remember, all of this stimulus doesn't fall on Joe Biden. Oh, no. Some of it falls on Donald Trump, too. You know, it takes a while for this stuff to to have the effect that it has. But there was a lot of stimulus given out by the Trump administration, even leading up to the election, when more stimulus was being debated in Congress The Republicans were furious at Nancy Pelosi for holding up passing the next round of COVID stimulus, the next round of money for people, stimulus checks for people. Remember, they were debating $1,200, $1,200 checks, and Donald Trump said, I'd give them $2,000. I'd give them $2,000. So Republicans can't now act like they were totally against giving people money. There may may have been a difference of opinion on how much a difference of opinion on the child care tax credit or maybe how long to extend the unemployment. But the Republicans were all for passing more stimulus. They didn't become all against it until after the election, until after Donald Trump lost. So you might want to consider pointing that out when the Republicans are ripping you on TV about how this inflation was caused by too much stimulus when they were for the exact same stimulus prior to the election. Democrats are funny. I hear all the time. We got to get tougher. We got to fight dirty like the Republicans do. We got to start to fight dirty, get down in the mud with the Republicans, get tougher. Okay, I'll help you. You want to fight dirty on inflation? Go on and say this inflation has been caused in part by that trucker convoy. How about that? That Trump trucker convoy that shut down roads and bridges, messed up our supply chains. That caused part of this inflation. Now, I can hear Democrats saying, but, but that's not true. <laughs> you see, isn't it adorable how you still think truth is part of reality? No. If you want to fight dirty with the Republicans, you got to separate those two. Truth and reality do not have to go together if you want to fight dirty. But you don't have to. Democrats don't have to. Democrats do not have to fight dirty. They don't have to get tougher. They just have to get smarter, as I've been saying. And being smarter means not being intellectually dishonest. Let me finish up with some comments about January 6th and the committee hearings. Now, first, if I tell you something, do you promise not to judge me? Do you promise? Okay, I shouldn't say this, but here it goes. Of course, watching the hearings, seeing the video is shocking and it angers you. All right. I'm saying that. But sometimes I just bust out laughing. I just bust out laughing. I say these people are completely outside of their minds. They show up to fight against this oppressive, tyrannical government with their phones broadcasting on Facebook Live. All of these people taking video to post or streaming live. The good time they're having live. That would be like Martin Luther King marching to Selma on a Segway. And a t-shirt, shorts, and flip-flops. Now, just a word of advice for the next insurrection. If you're there to fight a revolution, 
Try and look like you're having less fun. I don't think an uprising is supposed to look like you're tailgating at a football game, which is exactly the way it looked until everything went south and they started fighting with the police. It looked like people showed up to have a grand old time. That's not really a revolution. So that's it. There, I said it. Don't judge me for laughing sometimes at the craziness that I see. Now, the last episode, I said I had changed my opinion and I don't see these hearings as a waste of time. Some listeners ask, why did you think the hearings were a waste of time? This was an attack on our democracy, after all. Well, because I don't want to spend five hours preparing a 10-course meal and then not sit down to eat. Will there be an indictment, a conviction of Trump, of Rudy, of Don Jr., of anyone from the administration for their actions, knowingly pushing what they knew was a lie? Will there be consequences or, God forbid, even changes to media like Newsmax or One American News or Fox? They ran hour-long, the election was stolen specials, with the exception of some of the leaders of some of the organized groups that showed up. Will there be any real consequences or jail time for the majority of the over 800 people arrested? Probably not. For the vast majority, there will probably only be a slap on the wrist. And that's for the 800 arrested. Forget about the thousands that haven't even been charged with anything. It just seems like there's no punishment for Donald Trump and the people directly below him. No punishment. What's going on with the Southern Southern District of New York, such and such, or the Eastern District of New York, such and such? Weren't there supposed to be a whole bunch of other cases that were pending against Donald Trump? Like I just said, the guy ran a fake charity for years. A fake charity. He took money from people saying he was collecting it for charity and he was spending it on personal junk. And (laughs) that's not illegal. Can you imagine if I came on this show, on this podcast, and at the end of every podcast for years, I said, if you could find it in your heart, would you please donate to my charity? It's called the Michael Lassikar Fund. Please give money to the Michael Lassikar Fund. Let's restore Michael Lassikar back to health. And you said, huh, Michael Lassikar, Michael, La- Mike Lassikar, Mike, La- Mike Lassikar. Are you taking this money to restore a classic car? And you find out, yeah, I'm using the money to restore a 1963 Corvette. How long would it take before I ended up in jail? But Donald Trump, Donald Trump Jr., Ivanka, Rudy, they don't even so much see the inside of a courtroom. They don't even so much get charged with a crime. Forget about convicted. They don't even get charged with crimes. And yet, on January 6th, a woman was shot, shot and killed inside our Capitol. Now, I recognize there were police officers who died as a result also, but this woman was shot and killed inside the halls of our Capitol as she attempted to climb through a broken window in a door. To do what? To what end? Who has to answer for that? Certainly you're not going to say the police officer who perceived a threat, not just from her, but the hundreds of other angry people on the other side of the door who he could have reasonably assumed she would let in once she made it through. So you can't blame the police officer. So who's responsible for that woman's death? The family that grieves that woman's death. Who's responsible for that? No one. 
you know, I watch Judge Judy. I love Judge Judy. Been watching her for years. And there's a phrase I've heard her use often on her show when she's passing judgment on some case. The phrase is, if not for the fact, if not for the fact, if not for the fact Donald Trump knowingly started lies, continued the lies, even after people around him told him they were lies, if not for the fact the lies were echoed and amplified by others for their own gain because they also knew they were lies, or at the very least, they knew they didn't have any hard, concrete evidence to back up what they were saying, if not for the fact social media companies allowed the lies to persist and spread and even grow unchecked into wilder conspiracies, if not for the fact people were being intellectually dishonest, would Ashley Babbitt have been shot and killed? Would she have even been in Washington, D.C. that day? Would she have followed thousands of others illegally into the building? Would she have attempted to climb through a busted out window to violently, if necessary, reverse what she truly believed was a stolen election? I have no doubt, no doubt, most of the people there that day truly believed the election had been stolen. Just like I have no doubt, Donald Trump, Rudy, Fox News, Newsmax, Facebook, all knew that it wasn't. So there we go. I think I've successfully done it again. Found a reason for everyone to dislike me. But what do you want from me? What do you want? I can't help myself. I just can't help myself. I love this country. I love the country too much. I got to speak the truth. I just love America and I want to see America succeed. I want to see America be better than it is right. Where's my phone? Oh, there it is. Thanks for listening. Remember to subscribe. Apple Podcast, Spotify, Amazon Music, anywhere you get podcasts. Keep listening, please. Whether it's your first time or your 50th time, please keep listening. I'm telling you, sooner or later, I'm going to stumble on the right way to do this show. I'll see you next time. Thank you.